0: So three things are necessary in order, when, in, in order that anyone has faith that leads to salvation. Tell me what those three things are. <clears throat> Our backbone in this class is three things are necessary in order to have faith that leads to salvation. We're reading from the lectures on faith. Number one. That's two. Hang on one second. Let's do number one first. The idea that he actually exists. You need to have connected with God. You need to have your own connection with Him. That's when faith is born, is when you have a connection and know He exists. I love that, that Paul, well, whoever wrote the book of Hebrews, I think it was Paul, said that faith is evidence of things not seen. Faith is when you connect with the divine. Now, number two, you will not have faith that leads to salvation without Okay, we have to have a correct understanding. If you misunderstand one of his characteristics or one of his attributes, it's going to have an effect on your faith. If you misunderstand, it will not lead to salvation. Abraham. And so the rest of that quote from Paul is uh, proof of things which are not seen, which are true. Yes. And and hence, it's not going to lead me to salvation if it's not true. So we are trying to establish a correct understanding of his character. Allow me to play the taught for 30 years card tonight. And I have watched a lot of people I dearly love misunderstand a key aspect of his character. And it has a tremendous impact on their faith. So we did this one last week, that one aspect that is established in the lectures on faith is that I have to trust that he is greater than all. And the application I wanted to talk about is that he is greater than any challenge I face. Tonight, I'd really like to move on to this one, that he is merciful. But before we can do that, I have to have another discussion first, if you'll allow me to have that discussion. I want to talk today about hope. I know the basis is in order to have faith, you have to have a correct understanding of his character. Tonight, I wanna add a word that I wish we spoke more about in the church. I wanna talk about hope. Now, in the scriptures, we often say faith, hope, charity. And I could make a strong case that hope comes after faith. But I believe the Book of Mormon also gives us liberty to say that hope comes first. Allow me to show you an interesting phrase. Just turn with me to Moroni chapter 7. Moroni 7 is Mormon's letter to his son Moroni about faith, hope, and charity. Moroni 7. I want to pull this up. I want to follow along here. Look at verse 1. And now I, Moroni, write a few words of, a few of the words of my father Mormon, which he spake concerning faith, hope, and charity. Now faith... Starts in verse 21, and now I come to faith. And then when he starts to talk about hope. I want to go to verse 40. This sentence in verse 40 causes me to question the order we've always put it in. We speak of faith and then hope and then charity. And so people with faith need to work on hope and then charity. And I believe this sentence changes that. How is it that ye can attain unto faith, save ye shall have hope? That would suggest what's the order? Hope. Faith. I would suggest to you, allow me to testify that I believe one of the biggest obstacles to your faith is a lack of hope. And you cannot have better faith until you have hope. So let's define hope. Abraham. I actually did want to just talk about faith for just a second okay. and say, um, I do think that faith can come before and after hope. Clearly. because but, yeah. Clearly, yes. Can. Um, but the thing being that there is an understanding part to faith and an obedience part to faith, and I think that understanding often comes before hope and obedience often. Comes I really faith. like that. Really like that. that. That was just my little side note. Love now it. You can talk about hope. Okay. okay, I love it. I want to. I want to talk about this twist. How is it that you can have faith? Save ye have hope. So let me define how I'm going to approach both. And I know both of them, are very complex words, and I don't mean to simplify them. But tonight, here's the definition I want to give you. Faith is to believe that God answers prayers. Hope is to believe that God will answer my prayers. You see the difference? Faith is believing that God will do miracles. I believe in a God of miracles. I think God is capable of doing miracles. What's hope? I truly believe miracles are going to happen in my life. He will do miracles in my life. Faith says, I believe Jesus saves sinners. Hope says, I believe Jesus will save me. Do you see the difference? Now, I believe we're having a faith crisis in the church. There's no question that there is a faith crisis in the church. Have you noticed? I know they don't emphasize this, but what was the um, membership of the church about five, six years ago? 16 million What's the membership of the church today? 16 million. And yet every year they announce hundreds of thousands of baptisms. How are we having hundreds of thousands of baptisms and our membership is retaining this, staying the same? People are leaving. And they're taking their names off the records. We are in the middle of a major faith crisis. People are losing their faith, but do you know what I think is more significant than that? We are in the middle of a hope crisis. We are in the middle of a whole bunch of people who are struggling to believe that the gospel works for me. They have faith. They just don't see that I, Get the blessings. Let me give you a couple of Book of Mormon examples. We'll get to the New Testament in a minute, but let me show you a couple of Book of Mormon examples. Let's start with Laman and Lemuel. Go to First Nephi chapter fifteen. They came and they asked Nephi some questions, and and Nephi says, "Have you inquired of the Lord?" Now, allow me. To change this sentence and you tell me what they lack. I'm gonna change it, I'm gonna end it right there. If the sentence ends right here, tell me what they lack. We have not inquired of the Lord, for the Lord maketh no such thing known. What do they lack? Faith, meaning, what are they saying? God does not speak, God does not answer prayers. That's not what they said. I don't think they lacked faith. What do those last two words suggest? I haven't asked God because he won't make such things known unto me. Now tell me what they lack hope. It doesn't work for me. I'm not going to try. They lack hope. You see the difference? Let's do another one. Alma 33. Speaking of the brass serpent, which Nephi says had power to heal the nations. There was power in the brass serpent that could have healed the nations. And all they had to do was look. Alma 33. So speaking of the brass serpent, verse 19, behold, he was spoken of by Moses. And behold, a type was raised up in the wilderness that whosoever would look might look, and many did look and live. Now, if Israelites were anything like Mormons, you know that someone who was healed was up fast in testimony meeting the next week testifying that they got bit and they were healed. Word went around camp that people were being healed. Many did look and live, which makes this next verse a question mark. Many did look and live. They had evidence that it worked. But few understood the meaning of these things and this because of the hardness of their hearts. Now allow me to modernize this to our day. There are many, Who are so hardened that they will not look? They will not look. Therefore, they're going to perish. Now I'm going to end. I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to end the sentence here. Now the reason many people won't look is because they don't believe it will heal. What would be the lack in that circumstance? They lack faith. I don't think it works. I don't think the gospel works. But that's not how the sentence ends, is it? How does that last word change the whole meaning of the sentence? There are many in the church today who are not looking. And they're going to perish. And the reason they're going to perish is because they don't think it will heal them. I don't count. I'm not good enough. It's all the not enoughs. I haven't done enough. I'm not committed enough. I haven't served enough. It's all the not enoughs. I'm not enough. Therefore, the blessings aren't fully going to be realized in my life. That is not a lack of faith. That is a lack of hope. And right now, this is a church that is in the middle of a hope crisis. Now let's do one more. Let's do a New Testament version. Turn with me to Luke chapter 5, verse 12. I'm going to use... These scriptures because I can blow these up. Luke chapter 5, verse 12. One of my absolute favorite scenes in the New Testament. It came to pass when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy. Tell me about leprosy. Tell me about having leprosy. Especially in the days of Christ. Because just eat you alive. It just you you fall apart. Your fingers fall off, your nose falls off, your ears falls off. You just fall apart. You have holes in your face. And not only that, not only is it just gross. It's extremely contagious. So tell me how people treated you if you had leprosy. Now, if leprosy were a symbol for something, what would it symbolize? Sin. It eats you alive. And there are people who believe Jesus treats them the way people treated a leper if a leper walked into a room, what would he expect people to do? Run away. away. And there are members of the church who expect Jesus is doing what to them? Running away. So here is a man full of leprosy. I love that it says he's full of leprosy. Now tell me what the man knew If thou wilt, I shall be healed. What did he know? I know you. I know you can. I just don't think you will. I know you can. I just don't know if you will. But he asked. He asked, Lord, if thou wilt. Thou canst make me clean. What did he know? Now to me that, I hope to meet this man someday because that man to me is the symbol of what I'm trying to help people understand. I know he can. I just don't know if he will. Do you expect miracles in your life? Do you expect miracles to happen? Do you expect good things and kindness and forgiveness? Do you expect forgiveness of sin? Do you expect miracles? And I think this man says, well, I know they can happen. I just don't know if they will. So tell me what Jesus says. Tell me what he says. And I just, I think every Latter-day Saint, every person on the planet, everyone on earth needs to hear this. You, imperfect, you, I will. I will do miracles in your life. Why is it that you doubt? He wants to. He is willing. He doesn't have favorites. He does not love you any less than anyone else. Why is it that we have this expectation that miracles are for other people? I'm not blank enough. And we fill in the blank. And that is not a correct understanding of his character. You misunderstand Him and it's affecting your faith. He wants you. He invites you to have hope. Hope is a choice. Hope is decision. You wake up one morning and say, I choose to hope. I choose to believe that He will. That He will do miracles in my life. That He cares About me. I am, whatever the blank, enough. That is a correct understanding of his character. I will. Now, what would no one do to a leper? Notice what he did. What direction did he go? Not away. He went towards a man full of leprosy and he went what direction? He went towards, that's who he is. And if you think he will go the opposite direction, you have a miscorrect, an an uncorrect idea of his attributes and his character. He does not run the opposite direction. He runs to and says I will. He touched him. Have hope. Choose to have hope. Hope is a choice. Now those of you just recently I know Josh just came home from his mission, those of you just home from your mission, let me read come or let me call let me read preach my gospel's version of hope. In chapter 6 did you all love chapter 6? Christ-like attributes, right? Developing Christ-like attributes. Go to chapter 6 and find hope. Okay? Uh, Preach my gospel. Chapter 6. Lots of ways to find it. If you go to missionaries or however you want to find it. Um... Should be under books and lessons in the scriptures. That's where I'm trying to. Why am I not seeing it? There it is. Okay, preach my gospel. Chapter 6. How do I develop Christ like attributes? Notice there's faith and then hope. Let's read that first paragraph. Probably the best description coming together of hope. Anyone want to read it for me? Please. Pause. What's the key word there? The Lord will fulfill his promises To to you. There is no promise he has given that does not include you. If he is merciful, guess what? He's going to be just as merciful to you. If he has a forgiving disposition, he has that same disposition to you. If Jesus says, I came to save sinners, which sinner is he talking about? You. He will fulfill his promises to you. Promises of an eternal companion, promises of deliverance, promises of salvation. He will fulfill his promises. To you. Keep going. It is manifest confidence, optimism, enthusiasm, and perseverance. Let's talk about that first word. Hope is manifest in what? Confidence. Confidence. It is time to choose hope and trust that He's going to keep His promises to you. He will. I will have an eternal companion. I will have every opportunity for every blessing that I seek. I trust him in his timing. I'm going to let him choose the timing because he's smarter than I am. I'm not going to tell him when to bless me. I'm just going to trust that he will. And be confident. He is asking you to be confident in him. That's choosing hope. Keep going. It is believing and expecting that something will occur. Key word. It is expecting. You have his permission to expect him to help you. Expect it. Haven't you heard President Nelson saying that? I have heard President Nelson say that at least twice. Expect. Miracles. Confident that they're going to come. <clears throat> now, again, I'm going to let him choose when. He knows better than I do. I'm not going to tell him how to bless me, but I am going to expect a blessing. That's hope. Please. Um, I feel like I'm confident in the blessings of tithing because it's almost always very obvious, right? I'm confident that if I pay my tithing, that somehow it's going to work out because it seems to. So- almost always, there's always a blessing. Whether or not things don't work out exactly as I expect, I always go, hey, this is because of my tithing. And But this is reminding me that just like the others of God's law, that if I keep them, there's other promises and that I need to be looking for those too, because really it's binding. Like all of his laws are binding. And I think sometimes (laughs) I forget because we are imperfect so if we give someone else a promise or someone gives us a promise it's not always like we can hope that they'll keep their promise but what's amazing is that God doesn't lie he keeps his promises so anyways I was just thinking I need to be more confident in all of there it is and that's a choice guess what that's a choice I choose whether or not I'm confident or not so Peter jumps out of the water totally confident right He would not have jumped out had he not been confident. Was he confident that his feet were going to hit that water and it was going to be solid? He had enough experience in Jesus to be confident. But then the storm came. And he lost that confidence. And when Jesus pulls him up, what did he say to him? Wherefore didst thou? Why did you let fear steal your confidence? He is inviting you to expect miracles to happen. If you understand who he is, if you have a correct understanding of his character, attributes and perfections, you understand that he wants you to have hope. It is his expectation that you have hope. So choose it. Choose hope. Keep going. When? When you have hope, you will work through trials and difficulties with the confidence and assurance that all things will work together for your good. Hope helps you conquer discouragement. The scriptures often describe hope in Jesus Christ as the assurance that you will inherit eternal life in the celestial kingdom. Key word in that last one. You. You. I expect to be in the celestial kingdom because I want to be And he's going to help me. I have confidence in his ability to save me. Do you see what's so lacking in the church today? Now, there's no question we have some discouragement in the church. And I wonder if maybe one of the reasons. There's a haunting verse If you want to go to Moroni 10, we read Moroni 7. Go to Moroni 10. The very last chapter of the Book of Mormon is a haunting verse. And so allow me to just plead that you choose hope. Can't find my Book of Mormon. Last chapter of Moroni, last chapter of the Book of Mormon, Moroni chapter 10. This verse haunts me. Verse twenty-two. As I walk around the church, as as I, as I deal with people in the church, this is what I observe. And if you have no hope, ye must needs be in despair. Now, where does despair come from? I know I'm imperfect. I am very aware of my imperfections, which is often the cause of lacking hope. I doubt me, but what you're also doing is you're doubting his ability to save you. And so, have hope. Get out of despair, even with all your iniquities. Did Jesus ever expect you to be perfect? No, and therefore have hope. Don't be in despair, have hope. Let me give you kind of a New Testament illustration of, I think this illustrates, I think this illustrates the dilemma. Tell me we love it, tell me you don't love Jesus and are terrified of him at the same time. We love him and I'm terrified of him. Oh, it's one of those Pharisees in the New Testament, I know what you're talking You know, we love him and we're terrified of him, Right? And and I think that's common because we love the police and we're terrified of the police. When you need help and a police officer shows up, if someone were breaking into your house, what colors outside your house would bring you great comfort? Red and blue. Okay, they're here. We're good. But when you're driving down the road, what colors behind you give you absolute terror? Now, the thing is, I love Jesus. I love him with all my soul. But I know... He knows everything I've ever done. And I'm making the assumption that he's disappointed in me. And I'm terrified of facing that. I love him and I'm terrified of him. Let me show you an episode in the New Testament that I think describes this. I want you to find Mark five. We're gonna need Mark's version, but we're also gonna need Luke. So Luke eight and Mark five. So maybe have two windows open if you're electronic. Mark chapter five is one of them. And Luke chapter eight is the other. Let's start in Luke. Verse 43, Luke 8, 43. There was a woman who had an issue of blood. Now, I don't mean to be graphic, but I I need to make a connection. This is a female issue. She is having a female issue. That's the issue of blood. She has a non-stop, never goes away, female issue. And how long has it lasted in verse 43? 12 years. And any woman will tell you how desperate she is, right? All of you are just like, are you kidding me? I would rather die. 12 years. Now to complicate matters under the law of Moses, this is a discussion for another day. There's a logical reason for this. It's not a pres- It's not a discriminatory thing, but under the law of Moses, a woman with an issue of blood, if, you- if she touches you or you touch her, you're unclean and you have to be ceremonially cleaned at the temple. So 12 years, nonstop, can't touch anyone, and no one can touch her. Well, they have to clean cleaned afterwards. No one can touch her without being cleansed. Yeah. Tell me about the mental state of this woman. At the edge? She's going insane. She's going insane. Now, she has a thought. She hears about Jesus. And she says, he can heal me. I know he can. I just don't know if he will. And so what's her plan? I know he can. I just don't know if he will. So her plan is to go ask him for a blessing, to go face him in the front and say, could you heal me? Could you give me a, no, what's her plan? Touch the hem of his garment. Now, when I say hem, modern, you're thinking probably this, right? No, no, no. The hem of his garment, he would have had a tunic with tassels right here. Those are the hem of his garment. And when he walked, he would have thrown it over his shoulder. So where, you can follow this into the Bible dictionary, but where is the hem of his garment? It's hanging down his back. What does she want to do? Sneak up behind him and steal a blessing from him. I don't want to face him. I don't want to talk to him. I don't want to get in line. I don't want to make an appointment with his secretary. I just want to sneak up, steal a blessing and run away and tell me you aren't tempted to do the same thing. I love him. I want his blessing, but I don't know if I want to face him because clearly I'm a disappointment to him. So let me sneak up and take a blessing from behind. And she does just that. And the second she touches the hem of his garment, what happened? Look at verse 44. She came behind him, touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood stanched, healed. She knew it. So in that second, tell me the emotion in 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 her heart. The moment she knows, she's healed. Tell me the emotion in her heart after 12 years. Absolute thrill, right? Now that is the Jesus we hope he is. I'm going to write that. I think, I think we need to see this. Over here is the Messiah I hope he is. that thrill, and then he says, who touched me? Now tell me the emotion in her heart that quickly. Absolute terror, right? And that is the Messiah That's the one I'm worried he might be. Disappointed Jesus. Who touched me? I don't want to face him. I have let him down. And he is disappointed. Do you see that debate between the two? And tell me you haven't lived right there in the middle of that. I have felt pure joy in his healing hand, in his miracles. And I have felt complete terror at facing the disappointment clearly I have given him. And here I sit in the middle. What does she do? Look at verse 45. Now, how far away is she when he says, who touched me? How far away is she? Oh, like a billion miles. No. Uh, when did he say it? Immediately. So how far away is she? I don't think she's very far. I think he turned right around and said, "Who touched me?" And guess who's standing there. So look at verse 45. "When? All denied." So how did she answer the question, "Who touched me?" Not me. Look somewhere else, Lord. Please don't look at me. I don't want to face this. Please, no attention on me. I didn't. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. Let's just forget everything, okay? Give me the disease back. (laughs) I don't want to deal with this. She denied. Now, Look at verse 47. Tell me what you think. He, what is Jesus doing? How do you read verse 47? So, she denied. How do you read that very first phrase in verse 47? When the woman saw that she was not hid. W- why? W- what's he doing? He's, waiting. He's just looking at her and waiting. Bryce, I'm waiting, okay? Okay. I'm waiting for you and I to have a conversation. I'm waiting for you to choose hope and not fear. I'm waiting for you to correctly understand my desires for you. I know everything you've done and it is not disappointment in my heart. It is absolute love and a desire to help you get better. That is his correct attribute. It is not disappointment. He's not unaware, but it is not disappointment. It is concern and care and a desire to help. I can prove it. Now, I'm gonna prove it in just a minute because I wanna finish this sentence, but the correct doctrine is he wants to help. When are you gonna have a conversation with me? I think he's staring at her. I think he's waiting. I'm just waiting for you, Bryce. When you're ready, so am I. I think he's just waiting. So now jump to Luke, or Mark. You gotta get the Mark version what does she do when she obviously can't hide any longer look at verse 33 what's the phrase told him all the truth B- before that before she comes forward she Fearing and trembling, and I know that's the moment. Jesus, here I come. I am going to lay down all my fears. I'm going to let it go, and we're going to have a conversation. Fearing and trembling, she came forward and said, I was the one. Now tell me his first word to her. Daughter. If he said nothing else, is it very clear which one of those two messiahs he is? To whom would he say that word? Daughter, you are one of mine. Was he disappointed in her? What did he feel for her? A desire to help. When are you going to trust that, have confidence in that person, in that character, in that reality, that it is not disappointment he feels, simply a desire to help and an ability to do so? He waits for the moment. I open up and have the conversation. Can I prove it? Here's my proof. John chapter eight. John chapter eight, the woman taken in adultery. If everyone, anyone was a disappointment, it was a woman caught in the very act of adultery, right? He, she is caught in the very act of adultery. Now, unfortunately, there's a bigger picture going on. The Pharisees are trying to trap Jesus. And so they've brought the woman to see if he will side with mercy or side with justice. He, if you do either one. Either one they, yeah. f- they feel like they've got him condemned. So they say, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned. What sayest thou? Now the idea was if he says stoner, then he has no mercy. If he says don't stoner, then he has no mercy justice. They feel like they can prove he's not the Messiah by however he responds. But what does he choose to do? Moses and the law said that such should be stoned. What sayest thou? Now, first of all, verse six, he chose not to judge. That's a subject for another day. Verse seven, what does he say? He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her one person there qualified. One person met that criteria to throw a stone. And yet that one person chose what? I will not throw a stone. He doesn't throw stones. Even when the woman was guilty and Moses and the law says she should be stoned. He didn't throw a stone. And everyone else was condemned by their own guilt, leaving him alone with the woman. So when they're alone, he says, verse um, 10, when Jesus has lifted him up and saw none but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, no man, Lord, now, tell me what Jesus said. Did he say, you've not done anything wrong, everything's fine, and look the other way completely? Did he make it clear to her that what she's done needs to change? Was she corrected? Tell me what she wasn't, though. Well, she wasn't dead, but she didn't. Yes, and what did he say he wouldn't do? She wasn't condemned. Was she corrected? Now, there's a footnote you've got to read. Tell me how she walked away. Tell me how she walked away. Glorified God. Now, does she know she needs to change her behavior? Did he make it very clear she needs to change? And yet, did she walk away condemned? I think most people have the idea that if God were to pull me into an interview, if Christ were to pull me into the interview, it would be demeaning to me. That if Christ were to pull me into an interview, he would tear me down. But my testimony of his character is, you would walk away knowing that you needed to be better, glorifying him. That's who he is. He has the ability to correct us without tearing us down. There would not be humiliation. I could have an exchange with Christ without being torn down, only lifted. Now, do you believe that about him? Or do you still believe in disappointed Jesus who would say, I can't believe you did that. Not for you. (laughs) Is is that we were going over earlier how the key part of hope is that he will bless me. No salvation for you. Who touched me? I did, Lord. And I'm ready. I'm ready to have the conversation. I'm ready to face my savior because I believe his character is lifting. I believe he wants to save me and he will save me. I choose hope. I choose hope. Hope is a choice. So I'm going to invite you to wake up every morning and quote hymn number 187 verse 3. Allow me to share now sometimes these are sometimes this is a hymn book today it's green scriptures allow me to read the green scriptures to you hymn number 187. I believe this is when we are choosing hope now I wish I could blow this up but I can't so I'm sorry this is so small. But this is hope. O love effulgent, love divine, what debt of gratitude is mine that in his offering I have part and hold a place within his heart. I hold a place In his heart. I am confident that is true. That is choosing hope. It is my testimony that if you truly have, if you have a correct understanding of his attribute, his character, his perfections, you will understand what Messiah he is. And you won't feel a need to sneak up behind him and steal a blessing. Who touched me? I did, Lord. Because I need your help. I have, so many mis- I have made so many mistakes. I know you have, Bryce. Let's work on them together. I want to help you. I will help you. Have faith and have hope in that Messiah. That is the true Messiah. And you have to have a correct understanding of that. But I would just plead with you to choose hope. He will save me. That I testify in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.